here to speak to Adam Aaron DGD Underground Cartoon Therapy. <laughs> Bad. I want to dedicate this show to United Airlines. <laughs> You fascist fucking Nazi fucking Trump sucking dick fucks can suck all eight of my fucking nuts. At least I get to write it off the bucket list. <laughs> I finally got kicked off an airplane for asking to switch seats. Because I was sitting next to some fucking jarhead Nazi fuck. And I was destined to go to Orlando and have to sleep on the floor for 17 hours. But thanks to the stewardess fucking white supremacist cunt that fucking saw me making friends with the black guy next to me. <laughs> you guys are fucking Nazis. And I got to stay in the Marriott. And uh, didn't have to sleep in stinky Orlando shithole. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh God! <clears throat> Welcome to the fucking New York super fucking special. I loathe New York. Start spreading the rot. I'm devouring today. I wanna be inside a van. Old cadaver. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you some stories. The good, the bad, the ugly. My history in fucking New York. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of a follow-up to a 40 of Philly, which came out okay. My buddy got back to me and said, you know, it's funny how we th see things differently. But, you know, when you're talking about shit from fucking 25 plus years ago, that's kind of how it goes, right? Today's episode is brought to you by some weed that comes in little tiny fucking micro dime bags. Unlike the fucking frothful fucking plentiful weeds that you can get for 20 bucks in the West Coast, let's say. But, you know, fuck the West Coast. Fuck this leftist fucking bullshit. The left coast. Passive-aggressive motherfuckers. You guys wouldn't survive a fucking second in fucking New York. I might have a lot of fucking trouble out here, but at least you can cuss. And you can really just be the asshole you really want to be. <clears throat> you know, I may not have been here the way that I wanted to be here sometimes. And then I raised my son and I wasn't even here at all. But when I was able to come back, like now, it's totally fucking worth it, you know? I've been all over the fucking country. 
It pretty much fucking sucks. So I'm gonna come back to New York. And we're gonna hustle during the coronavirus. Because that's what the fuck I do, man. I don't even know how motherfuckers can live without music, but I definitely can't live without hustling art. But I want to welcome you guys. It's up to you, motherfuckers, to tune in and listen to this fucking shit, motherfucker. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Now fucking shut the fuck up and listen up. God damn it. Oh, hey, thanks. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, well, welcome back to the show. Uh huh. Thanks to my buddy, I'm drinking some fucking Folgers or whatever the fuck Maxwell House shit. Oh my god. Well, let's get this game started. I'm just gonna lay out a bunch of fucking stories. I'll tell you at the beginning of them if it's gonna be good, bad, or ugly. Then you can fast forward the shit if you don't want to fucking hear it. You might be in a good mood and don't want to hear ugly shit. Or you might be in an ugly mood and don't want to hear good shit. I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> Welcome to New York. I came out here to go ahead and uh, go back to school. I'm waiting for a lawsuit to go through against the city of Marina Del Rey. Got to go back and listen to the Lil's Kills episode. And this episode is dedicated not only to United Airlines racist fucking ass, but to my little puppy, Lil's Von Shadow. Uh. And I know she'd be here right now fucking hanging out with me while I was 420 in the fuck out. I'm more Superman weed than ever. Hey, look, look, I was trying to do this one part earlier, but I started getting all fucking upset, so I had to record this part over. But the whole thing about New York, it's like a game show. So I'm just going to fucking treat it like a game show. And this is how it works. So welcome back to Family Feud. Because <laughs> that's really what it is, isn't it? I'm going to tell stories and stuff, leave names out, and try not get too emo about it. <laughs> and I thank you for joining me. Story number one, survey says. Let's get the fuck going. <laughs> Ugly. What's up, guys? <laughs> I'm recording from the 170 Bronx train in New York here on Valentine's Day, which I thought it'd be appropriate to play some Valentine's Day music. And just to have a little double entendre, 
and a flashback to the old past. There's a subway slasher. Oh yeah. Haven't had action like that in a while. The authorities and the MTA are uh, definitely not happy. On the lookout for a couple different people. One being a crazy black chick who likes to fucking push people into a fucking train. Oh yeah. <laughs> this episode's brought to you by more Superman weed, or I don't know what the fuck it's called. I'm smoking some California imported shit. I guess it's their way of uh, keeping the market fresh for when they actually legalize this shit here shortly. Which is a crime in of itself. I'm about to catch the four train. Go get me some fucking toothpaste. Once upon a time turned an ex-girlfriend narcissist bitch on because I used the right toothpaste. So don't forget guys, brush your fucking teeth. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm gonna head down there and get some of this shit at this Indian shop. I think it's called uh, Debal. I've been going there for like a long time and I still don't even know the fucking name of it. I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, C2, who got in an accident and um, fell 70 feet off of a goddamn zero degree ice ledge in Colorado. Oh, sorry about that. That kind of fucking sucks. I'm sorry, and I, I wish you a speedy recovery. You know, C2, he's a, he's a monster, you know? Not easily defeated. <laughs> he will come back and be a co-host on the show once more. <laughs> My bloody Valentine. That's what New York reminds me of right now. With the subway slasher, we haven't had this action in a long time. Am I excited about it? I don't like people getting hurt, if that's what you mean. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing this show if I did. But I feel sorry for a motherfucker who tries to fucking pull one on me. I really do. Some people got this weird complex, you know? Oh, I'm gonna take on the biggest shark in the tank. It's like, that's probably not the fucking best idea you ever had, you know? <laughs> Some people got balls. A lot of people got balls out here. There's no shortage of balls, you know? There might be a shortage of intelligence and concentration and discernment and humanity on some level. It's true. And it sucks. But, uh, that's how it's rolling, you know? You're in the 21st century. I want to fucking carry a blade, but they still got the strict laws on it. I would not fucking poke a motherfucker that tried to fuck with me. Fuck a subway slasher. Fuck that guy. Whoever the fuck they are. Looks like they're running out of 209. 
to one probably into Hell's Kitchen or Midtown. They seem to have some little kind of pattern already. Serious shit. Feel sorry for a motherfucker that tries to do that to me out here. Really do. I might have a notary of fucking being this insane bad guy, you know, and talking a lot of shit. But not one person can say that I've ever raised a, a finger to them out here. And I've been smart enough to never get into a fist fight the whole time. 25 fucking years, you know? You never know when that's gonna end. You never know when someone's gonna attack you, like right out of fucking Watchmen or some shit, dude. Just some crazy motherfucker. And now we're living in a comic book with crack timelines and all this other shit. I'm gonna catch the train. And it is kind of like being living in the Watchmen. I'll talk to you guys in a bit. It's ugly. Alright, this part's dedicated to this woman, Diane, who served food. I don't know if she still does or not. In Lower East Side, Tompkins Square Park. You know if she does or not, Steve-O? Anyway. There was an incident, there was an incident where they were serving this meat stew to everybody and it turned out everybody was eating humans. Everybody got really sick in the park and shit all over the place. I remember like it was just like this big issue. I don't even know how they found out. But otherwise meals have always been pretty ongoing in the Lower East Side. I've always seen like people fucking uh, delivering and uh, coming through food boxes, food bags. You know, my whole thing was on uh, 8th and C. There's the AC kitchen. I'm pretty sure they've served human food it was like human beings before, I don't know. <laughs> I've had some explosive diarrhea off that motherfucker, but I'm a sucker. I'll go back. I don't know. I've had some of the best food in the world, but don't count on fucking anybody here having malt vinegar for their fucking fish. And everybody wants to put fucking hot sauce on their fucking fish. It's like, motherfucker, you're the doormat to the UK. Put some malt vinegar on that bitch. This is not a soul food kitchen. Anyway, guys. Fuck hot sauce on the fish, man. You guys are fucking tripping out. Ah, oh, man, Adam's totally wrong. Diane did not do that. She just passed away during the summertime. Um, when I was in AA, I was speaking about sobriety. I went to the nut house where that guy's at, and I saw that thing face to face. 
So, yeah, the human cannibal is in a nut house in Ward's Island. And he killed his girlfriend? He killed his girlfriend, made her to soup, and a woman found a finger bone. So sorry about the Diane. It wasn't Diane. It was not Diane. She was a saint. She did a lot of good stuff for the people in the community. Give her shirt off her own back. Literally. Thanks, Russ. You're welcome. Off to cooking. <laughs> good. You know, man, my first uh, memory of anything that was cool from New York was definitely the Ramones. And let's just face it, you know, it turned into some commercial crass-ass shit, but it, that's not how these fucking guys started, you know. Go back and watch that fucking Ramones documentary. <laughs> fucking Joey Ramone at the beginning of it, you know, all. It was noise, peaches, and cream. <laughs> I love that fucking line, man. <laughs> I'm gonna try to find that. Sample that motherfucker. You know, I got to see him a couple times. It was cool. But for some motherfuckers that could go into a fucking studio, that's what I thought was the best shit, man. Go into a fucking studio and come out with a fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fucking gold fucking album all power chords all fucking Chuck Berry <laughs> same three fucking chords that's what Chuck Berry said man if you can play the fucking three three fucking chords you can play anything man but I definitely fucking learned my power chords directly from Johnny man because he was like in that stance, you know, he had this hunchback fucking stance and his fingers were so long and he would just, you could see right where how he was placing it and he played an old school style. And when I went and recorded with Polly and fucking Spike, you know, with uh, Sewage, that's how I played it too and they didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I kind of just laughed about it. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, I found a story off of comic book historians on YouTube. Uh, you can go check it out, but it's about Jack Kirby in uh, 71. And uh, the story is pretty fucking great. Uh, told by a guy named Phil Soling. All right, let's check this shit out. It's definitely worth the episode. By the time I was in junior high school and then high school, I'm talking about 1971, 72, 73... They were having some of the first New York Comic Cons. And really, these were crude, crude affairs where people just sold crates, just had crates of comic books. That was really it. Plus, and, and it would be in some crummy hotel. There was a hotel that's built on next to Grand Central Station. It was called the Commodore, after Commodore Vanderbilt. A crummy, smoke-filled hotel. People smoked in, indoors. It's hard to yeah. even conjure that word. But um, they would have these Comic-Cons, and they'd have these guys with the rack, racks and racks of crates and crates of comics. Then they would also have ballroom events in the hotels. And, and there you could see Jack Kirby, and he would speak. What, and what, year, what year do you think this was? 71, 72. Okay. Okay, early 70s. Bill Suling, who had these yeah. Comic-Cons. Yeah, right? so this is a Suling convention then. Right. Oh, okay. And I knew Sorry about Phil that. through a kid who I, <laughs> I, I later met Phil through a kid I went to high school with. But... Even at the time, like 71, so I was still in junior high, <clears throat> you'd go 
Kirby would speak. Kirby had this really weird backwards way of talking that was not, that didn't make a lot of sense, I gotta say, as a kid. Yeah, like Yoda or something. The, the, right. I mean, the, the one thing I ever heard him say that made sense was, you know, when you and I get angry, we kick the, kick the can down the street. He's fucking Ben Grimm. He knocks the top off a mountain. And so that's the, it's, that's, that's the whole thing. He says, look at the Hulk. He just gets mad all the time. Well, that made sense. But a lot of the stuff Kirby said, I couldn't even follow it because it was very non-sequitur, whatever. But you can also see him half an hour later in the room with the guys with the crates of comics. And he'd just be standing there holding court. And kids like me would bring our drawings. And he'd look at them, and my drawings were awful, you know. And he'd, he'd be encouraging. He'd say, yeah, you know, try a little harder. I think you're lazy. Oh, no. you know, like that. So he was a real mentor figure to a whole clique of kids. And we'd go day after day Fucking awesome. to see Jack Kirby. It was just a subway ride away from me on the number seven train. One day we're in one of those rooms. He's smoking a cigar. Everybody's smoking. It's a little room and there's guys with crates of comic books. And New York being New York, um, there, was, there was always an edge of violence. Um, so that I'm there showing Kirby my drawings. Suddenly from across the room, you hear someone say, and then boom, 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 and you hear the sound of a fight. Just boom, and that violence fills the room. And and two guys, or someone was stealing a comic or something, and two guys are having a punch up, you know, on, on the carpet, this ugly stained carpeting, and they're fighting <laughs> and they're grabbing each other's shirts like men do, you know, and the blood is coming out. And Kirby, you know, awesome. for a moment like this, we're frozen. I'm a little kid, and I was short for my age. And Kirby was very short. Kirby goes, he takes me by the hand. He goes, come here. I think we can take these guys. <laughs> I think we can take these guys. So awesome. He, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> across the room. This is a true story. And he, and he confronts these guys. He says, hey, why don't you guys pick on someone your own size? And he meant it. He absolutely meant it. Like he would fight these two guys right then and there. And because he was Jack Kirby, and because he had that authority, and because he had gray in his hair, and he, for a lot of reasons, they he, stopped he, 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 he was probably 40, uh, 45 no, or something at this point. He was born in, I think, 1917. Yeah. So, you know, uh, 50, uh, you know, so he'd be 53, 54. 53, 54. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. You so know, then. Short little guy with a scar, but just tough as hell. Oh, that's him. great. An authentically tough guy. And he says, why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Like a line of dialogue from a tag movie or something. Like that. <laughs> as corny as that. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? They stop the fight. And they, you know, and then they carry on and everything. And Kirby, we go back over and start talking about comics and drawing again. But I thought he, at that moment, I thought he was God. I thought he was like, you know, he walked on water to me. That was my idol. That's awesome. And again, that's comic book historian on YouTube. Go check it out. Jack Kirby. Rest in peace, man. True New York. That's good. Oh, shit. Did you ever want to get into the DCU? Or a comic book movie or some shit? I have been able to do such a thing. Actually, when they were pimping me off at the 2019 Big Apple Con, that was one of the things that my publisher from uh, R. Crumb Sippy Comics, Dan Fogel, wanted to plug me for. <laughs> Getting on to Gotham. Well, how did the fuck did I get on Gotham? All right, well, 
I was hanging out with my good friend Gaddis, who I haven't talked to in a while, over there at Sea Squat. And he's got MS, man, you know? And he's got a friend in the casting industry who I ended up trying to meet up with. Uh, <laughs> she was pretty cute, man, but I kind of blew it. Big surprise, right? Anyway, Geddes got all pissed off and was like, I don't know why she keeps sending me these fucking things and wanting me to be in the show, you know? Or some movie or something. She knows I can't stand for fucking 14 hours a fucking day. And I was like, well, chill out, dude. What's the fucking show? And he goes, oh, it's some show called Gotham. Well, you know. Comic Nerd Supreme over here knew what the fuck it was. He didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome, dude. And he goes, why? Do you want it? And that's how I got it. So I fucking grabbed it. I was dating fucking Nico at that time from Leftover Crack, Star Fucking Hipsters. And we both went down there and we went to this place called The Bank where they were filming at. And we filled out our little uh, things, you know, our little forms about three blocks from there. And then they took us over to the bank. And it was the chick from uh, Tank Girl, you know? She was hanging out and they had all these union motherfuckers in a fake mosh pit dressed like punk rockers. Anyway, I had my hoodie on, man. And I just shaved my head, you know? Uh, fans calling in. No, I'm not going to play Thug Life right now. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> oh my god, the PTSD addicted. <clears throat> anyway, I took my hoodie off, and... Uh, I have the stripes on my head. And the producer saw me, you know, and she was like, oh my God, get over here. Uh, so I walked over and he goes, and she goes, the guy that's going to play Bruce Wayne, the kid that plays Bruce Wayne, he's going to walk in here and I need you to mean mug him. Can you do it? I was like, yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> so episode 12, big ball of mud and meanness, I think it's called. And, uh, I got on. Now I remember watching the show with my sister Kim Jackson in LA before this even happened. And how much I just love the show. I mean, I think Kim said something about me being on it. Oh, you belong on the show. <laughs> well, here we are. Anyway, I didn't get paid. Nothing happened. I didn't hear shit. I was like, well, fuck them, man. You know, year goes by. I'm buying fucking drugs from my dealer in Midtown. And I got the fucking multi-text. Five texts. We need you for episodes 12 through 15. And I was living on Staten Island. And the first thing they did was film three blocks away from my house at this old theater on Staten Island and uh, I got my big part in there I got to stand up front got to kind of you know chill out with the chick who was the nanny for the woman who runs Ebony magazine and she was hot oh my god and we did a couple episodes 
did that one. I got to run away from somebody with a machine gun, you know. <laughs> it was nice to be induced into the DCU, man. And as a bad guy, nonetheless. <clears throat> My other movies and credits are uh, back in the uh, 80s. Did make it into the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Oh, yeah. Got to be in there with a the blue Rickenbacker bass and my mohawk standing up uh, at the fresh age of 16, some shit. And then uh, got to be in King Kong Lives. Got a little spot with my grandfather in the original Pet Cemetery. And I got to run through some gas station at the beginning of Maximum Overdrive or some bullshit. I can't remember, man. I was like, you know. Anyway, it's all there. Don't ever remember seeing myself on anything else except for Gotham and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those are my credits. I'm going to go back into acting out here, guys. Put some headshots together. Thankfully, all the crack I smoke keeps me looking fucking young and preserved. So I reek of a 33-year-old at the tender age of almost 50. And I plan on taking over other fucking comic book properties. I'll see you guys in the next segment. My God. How fucking dramatic. Uh -huh. Wow. Get into acting. It's good and bad. Bad as good. Good as You know, hustling isn't all that it is, but you have to do it. When I very first hustled was way back when I first got here in like 93, but I was hustling with this guy at Dos Blocos named Garth. And this guy would give us these paperback books and we would just sit on the corner and fucking hustle him. And you had fucking Lenny Kravitz living across the street and would come over and buy books from us and shit. Kind of started there for me. When I came back way later, I started drawing on wood. And I started selling the wood pieces and I'd get little jewelry boxes, slenders, sliders, three by three magnetic clasp. And then, you know, you can always go to Dollar Tree and get the dollar boxes too, man. And flip those for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, man. Pretty good shit, dude. One time I scored this piece of uh, driftwood. It was like flat and you could draw on it really good. <laughs> And uh, I drew this piece called uh, Open Container. Open Container was these two punks sitting on City Hall stairs and the pigs coming down the street waving a baton getting ready to bust their ass, you know, while there's all these cans of PBRs all over the place. <laughs> so this weekend dad guy wearing this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fucking sweater comes up and he wants to his daughter to look at the pieces. She's like five years old, dude. And I don't have anything offensive out when I'm hustling in the public. It's shocking, but it's not offensive like my comics are. So it was okay. And she picked the open container one. She sat there very discerning. The guy was like, is that the one you want, dear? And, uh, and she's like, mm-hmm. 
And I was like, that's the one I like the most too. And she got this little angry look on her face. And I gave it to her. The dad gave me 16 bucks and that was the best buyer I ever had hustling. And I ever will have. It's good. Well, I'm sitting in a bar. Not right now, but uh, back in 2016. Yes, yes, yes. I was sober already. And yeah, I did have 12 celebratory drinks from the time that I quit in uh, my birthday. It was my birthday of 2011. And I made a vow, you know. Of course, I've had 12 drinks. Most of them was with my uh, friend Kim Jackson in L.A. And they were good times. And, you know, that was it, man. Um, but this time I was in New York. I wasn't with Kim. And I was like uh, in Hell's Kitchen, you know. I thought I was like near uh, 53rd and 3rd trying to turn a trick. <laughs> no. But, uh... <laughs> I was standing on like 54th or some shit, you know? And I remember, I thought it was like 54 and 7 or, I don't know, man, who cares? But uh, this guy was in this car with the loud ass speaker, you know, and uh, he was playing the Beatles, Strawberry Fields Forever. And it was at the end of the song. It's all. And it comes to the very end, it goes, I buried Paul. And I said it right when this guy next to me wearing a suit and tie, and he said it at the same time, and we kind of looked at each other. It was like one of these like little weirdo magical moments in, uh, in um, New York that you just get when the moon is right, you know? <laughs> Like, uh, what's-his-fuck said, when you get caught between the moon and New York City, anything can happen, you know. Fucking, uh, so this guy's like, let's go get a drink. I knew he wasn't, like, you know, hitting on me or anything. I was like, yeah, all right, yeah, why not? He was somebody. Man, was I more right than I knew. So we get into the fucking bar, and he's the guy that orders the drinks. He doesn't ask you what you want, he just gets it. <laughs> He's that motherfucker. And, uh, turns out his name's Brendan Burford. Introduced myself. He's like, so tell me what you do, man. And I was like, well, I do, uh, perverted fucking comic books. You know, acid-drenched and, uh, bad trip-style underground. And he laughed, and he was like, that is the best description ever. And then he said, uh, well, this is kind of, uh, an amazing little coincidence because I run King Feature Syndicate and my eyes got big boy. Woof! I'll tell you what, man. That's a name that's been with you since the beginning. King Features. You're talking about Popeye, Betty Boop, Flash Gordon, The Phantom, Mort Walkers, Beetle Bailey, you know. Just some of the best shit in the fucking world, man, you know? And, you know, he's one of the big Sunday, big three Sunday strip mafia guys. And that's how I said it. I was like, you're one of the, the you're the fucking dom of the fucking Sunday comic strip mafia. And he laughed and he goes, I am that motherfucker. 
the drinks came. Ugh. I can't stand a fucking martini, man, but, you know. I did cheer him, took a fucking drink off of it. It had the olive in it. I even left that in there, and I can't stand a fucking olive. And I don't care what any of you motherfuckers have to say about that. <laughs> fucking olive. Give me a black olive on a pizza, that's cool. But, you know, maybe in a gyro, or I don't know. But, man, that's strong enough, dude. Green olives. Can't stand it. Don't care if you hate me for it. Anyway, I didn't let this guy know that. And when you got that professional uh, deal you got to do, you got to put your PTSD aside that olives can bring you. (laughs) And you have to fucking smile. And you got to keep it positive. That's a hard thing for a punk rocker like me. Probably is for you. I don't know. And if it is, take it from me. You can pull it off. And I believe in you. You know, I was going to do more fucked up uh, shit talking on this episode. I'm going to save it, man. You know, but I wanted to definitely put this more positive ended story on here. Because Brennan Burford was a good dude. I did end up sending him a strip like, you know, maybe two years later or some shit like that. And he was like, nah. <laughs> Hey, the motherfucker's part, you know, if the Dom don't like it, the Dom don't like it. That's how it is. And that's the best way you can put it. Do love y'all, man. And I hope you get your little special encounters with people that matter in your life or are part of your life. Like I have. All right, let's get the fuck out of this bar. I don't even drink, dude. What the fuck? It's good. Okay, listen to this. Everyone on Sesame Street is always talking about love. Yuck. But now it's time for me to tell you what Oscar the Grouch loves. The thing the Grouches love best of all. (laughs) Oh, I love I guess the first place you ever go to New York is when you're a kid. You got to go back and listen to the 123 Avenue B episode. But 123 Avenue B is actually the fucking address of Tompkins Square Park. (laughs) I have seen Oscar the Grouch hanging out there before. (laughs) I thought I saw Big Bird shooting up by the bathroom. New York is a trashy motherfucker. Lots of rats. Never see rats really on Sesame Street unless they're Muppets. (laughs) I guess the island of Manhattan technically needs rats in order to fucking keep going. If there weren't rats eating the trash... There would be a 60-foot wall of trash around the fucking island inside of a month. So the rats eat technically about 100 tons of trash a month, if not more. Pretty awesome. 
<laughs> All the shit you can find in New York. <laughs> Oscar being my favorite New Yorker. And I have had some of the best dumpster dives here, man. The eight-hour fucking dumpster legend to get the food for C-Squad back in the day. <laughs> Wouldn't trade any of those fucking dumpster diving days for anything. Oh, it is what it is. Help. Life during the virus ain't that bad. Still a few people out here. Dying. Yeah, oh yeah. Sold a couple pieces. Believe it or not. Shit's pretty dry though, man. Wish people wouldn't stand so close to me. But, you know, you're in New York. Everybody's... That's how it is. Uh, anyway, man, i tell you a couple stories before I get out of here. I was going to tell a bunch of fucking people off and all this shit, but you know what? I'll save it for the I Loathe New York 2 episode, because I don't really give a fuck right now. You know what? I've been working so hard on negative reducement in my life. Starting with that cunt chainsaw and a bunch of other motherfuckers. I've even had my shit stabbed, backstabbed since I've fucking been here. I can't even believe it. But, you know, I was telling my friend, he's like, well, it's best, it's best to be mellow and just, you know. I'm like, fuck all that, dude. Keep your fucking anger. You fucking need it out here, too, man. People are fucking talking shit when... You know, they say they're going to stay this mellow path. And you know what? Fuck all that, man. Well, anger is uh, satanic. Well, bullshit. You better start using it as a fucking tool then. I throw it down in my art, you know? Take a hit off this. No cops around. I think, you know, the best thing to do, man, is to accept the fact of what you are, you know? That's been the problem with my enemies. They don't know how to accept what they are. That's kind of the reason they're my fucking enemies. And I don't feel bad about having fucking enemies. What I feel bad about is letting them walk over me and not doing anything about it. And your friends need to have your back on it, man. And you know they're your real friends if they do. You know? But people come and go, man. Like New York. There's more people in and out of this motherfucker here, just like Union Square. I actually saw a fucking alien out here one time. Some guy disguised as a Chinese student or some bullshit. <laughs> and he was like... Monkey in cage need banana. And I was like, you're either on a lot of acid, which I don't think you are, because I've done so much goddamn acid. I just don't think you are. But hey, next time you come to the planet, try to study the language a little bit more. You almost got it. And the guy was like, yes, I will do that. 
shit you not. All kinds of motherfuckers out here. New York is what it is. Even after the fucking virus, man. Let's close this fucker up. I'm going to hustle the art and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Later. Whoa. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I think I've had enough of New York for a minute. I'm going to go see a friend where weed is legal. And I'm going to smoke the fuck up and go make a fucking cartoon, I think. But I want to say I, I'm always going to fucking loathe New York, you know. There's some people here that I just love. And that are just some of the best people in the fucking world. And authentic. That you can't find anywhere else. Hmm. Alright. <laughs> well, let's get the fuck going. This shit won't fucking keep itself rolling. And I'll see you guys on the fucking next episode. Later. It's bad. All the animals come out at night. Whores, mm. skunk pussies, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies. They're around. Sick, venal. Someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets. Uh, well, I want to thank you guys for joining me on the I Love New York episode. We definitely covered a lot of shit on this motherfucker. Hope you enjoyed some stories. Hmm. You know, shit's pretty fucking hardcore out here still, but it ain't the same. I may not even stick around. It's hard to find a fucking place to fucking really be comfortable these days. <laughs> Brought to you some by old coffee and no weed. I can't fucking score any fucking weed. Which is fucking ridiculous. Fucking stupid, man. <laughs> to be able to get some fucking weed around at least. But that ain't happening. And there's more fucking backstabbing motherfuckers out here than ever too. That can all suck my fucking dick. I miss the old New York. I miss it. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. A lot of fucking motherfuckers out here. They fucking ruined it. Not just fucking yuppies and shit either, man. Fucking punks. Supposed to be. <laughs> Fuck them. You gotta stay tough. You gotta hustle. Hold your ground and don't be afraid to cut anyone out. And don't be afraid to fucking be friendly either. Because there's plenty of fucking good people out here still, man. For all the fucking dickheads. And assholes and fucking quip cleats. Wherever the fuck they are, fucking cunts. Well, I appreciate New York and all the times I did have out here. Before fucking Trump killed the motherfucker.
Stick around, and I'll be back. Because <laughs> it's over. It's an ugly one. You've been listening to Adam and the GED Underground Cartoon Therapy.